Hey everybody, we're back with Teach a Kid to Read. I'm Tony Kriz, and today we're with a really, really dear friend from the Pacific Northwest, from the beautiful city of Seattle, Washington, Roy Chang. Roy is a husband, father of two, a former pastor, and now he is executive director of School Connect Washington. Roy, thank you for coming on the show. Yes, it's uh, really great to be here, an honor to be here, and uh, good to be working with you and talking about something that's uh, really important, really near and dear to both of our hearts. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, here at Teach a Kid to Read, we we don't believe there's such thing as, as illiterate children. There's only children who no one has cared enough to teach them how to read yet. And um, I know that's your heart up there. And um, we're definitely, I'm going to want to hear your heart a little bit about literacy here in a while, but I'd like to start, Roy, if possible, talking about School Connect Washington. Because mm-hmm. um, first of all, give me, give us sort of the Genesis story. How did you get to the point of being a pastor of a church to now mm-hmm. you're running a nonprofit whose goal is to create affordable, high quality after school programs for under-resourced youth that connect the whole city to schools. So every child and family can flourish. How did yeah. you get to this point? Yeah, it's really a culmination of 20 years of ministry at Seattle Chinese Alliance Church, the church I was pastoring at. And um, we started with a church that was very, like a lot of churches, can be very insular looking. Uh, yet we were smack dab in the middle of a community, a uh, community with a lot of needs, uh, but we just weren't connected to it. So after over 20 years of doing community outreach, community development, uh, partnering schools and churches together, uh, really seeing the deeper needs of the community. Um, this is where School Connect comes in. It, it was a point in, in, in my, I guess, ministry career where I was really looking at what's, what, where do I really need to um, invest really the most of my time and energy? What are the biggest needs in our community? And uh, I just saw that the intervention space of math and uh, literacy, those are the things that were really the biggest needs in our community that were holding so many people down. And it just came through a realization through COVID, coming out of COVID as well, that um, doing something about um, these low test scores consistently over decades, uh, just something needed to be done. And so um, on my church, um, I couldn't navigate, I wouldn't be able to navigate both it's, it's a lot of work to be an executive director and then also a pastor. Some pastors can probably do it. I can't. And I really had to um, pray a lot and just really lean in, really lean into God's calling, listen to, seek to listen to his voice. And so that's when I made the decision to, uh, that I had to do this. I had to start this nonprofit. Well, I think that the goal of religion is always to serve the world, to serve community. And it sounds like you're making that decision. How did you get to the point I mean, it takes it takes either hubris or imagination or some deep ache to go from, yeah, I'm going to care for the school across the street to I want to take the, the greater Seattle area and go, that's my responsibility. I want to get every kid in the greater Seattle area taken care of. How did you get to that to where you're like trying to 
encompass a vision that was that's that great. Yeah, it it really does come from first of all from my faith background, and as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus, when you just look at all of Jesus's his examples of ministering to the poor, um, all of Jesus' examples of speaking, fighting for justice. Um, that has always been a compelling piece of um, uh, of the Bible story. And that's just something that just speaks to me, just resonates kind of at my soul uh, to do that. And as a pastor, there's um, a lot of kind of, I don't know what you call it, very easy, low-hanging fruit for you could um, uh, give you know, raise funds for, I don't, for the homeless. Um, you could get backpacks and backpacks and school supplies. I mean, for kids, things like that. There's a lot of different good things that you can do, but I've always felt that, um, the church can meet the deepest needs in the community. And that's what I had always been looking for. Um, how can we be, how can we love our neighbor? Um, to just some of the greatest, most generous extents. So where is the real need? And so after 20 years of ministry, seeing that real need, um, that's kind of what birthed it. And I just go back to a very specific example. We had an after-school program going for low-income students. One of the students was acting up and a uh, fourth grader. And I uh, asked him to read a Bible passage um, when words are many, sin is not absent. All that means is that, hey, sometimes we should speak less and listen more. That would get us into less trouble if we did that. He couldn't get past um, the fourth word. And he was a fourth right. grader. And right. I just could not believe that I, you, you hear stories about things like this happening, but I just could not believe this. I, I had the example, living example right there. And when he realized that I realized, uh, when he saw that I, I could see that he couldn't read, his eyes just hit the floor. This shame just washed over him. And when you hear things about literacy gaps, academic gaps, it became a lot deeper than that. It wasn't just a number of he would be certain grades behind, but this confidence gap, self-esteem gap, identity gap, right. that's right. going to follow him through the rest of his life. Not only will his academic gaps get bigger, but all those gaps I mentioned identity, self-esteem, confidence, that all gets bigger as well. And when you have an adult with those large gaps, um, oh, I think that that breaks my heart. I think that breaks the heart of God too. Yeah. What are the stakes? I mean, based on your experience and your understanding, what are the stakes of, you know, kids who get out of grade school, not being able to read or not being able to read to grade level, um, what, are, what are the stakes for their lives? Yeah. Well, I think that when we see um, the, I, I, I can see it in some of the cross-section of the adults, of the, the parents of the children that we work with, right? So, for example, when you look at a lot of statistics of, let's say, <clears throat> how, uh, what are the chances that a child will achieve graduating high school? What are the chances that a child will achieve uh, getting a college degree. And the basic, um, the most prominent indicator is what is the education level of the parents? Hmm. So we're dealing with our, the, the students that we serve are 
um, you know, from under-resourced, low-income communities, people of color, a um, lot of different backgrounds. Um, but if you are seeing parents that are uh, struggling, whether it's right. they're just trying to make ends meet and so forth, and if they didn't have a college degree, and uh, if they're struggling with personal issues, or if they have difficulty, um, or they're working really difficult jobs that are just very hardworking individuals, that gives you um, kind of a picture. And so again, we have students that are homeless, actually, if you can believe that. Right. In oh, Seattle no. Public Schools, yeah, there's between 2,000, 2000 to 5,000 students at any one time that are homeless. Yep. So we just don't, uh, th those are the costs. If those, uh, if the students that we're working with, if we are not able to get those scores up, math, literacy, and so forth, then, and if they don't graduate college, uh, graduate high school, or they don't get graduate college, then we're just going to see that cycle repeat. Yeah. Yeah. My kids went to inner city schools and 15 to 20% of their classmates all growing up were f actually living on the streets or living in, mm. you know, week rate housing or month, you know, monthly, month to month housing or whatever. So right. that we were definitely right in the middle of that as we were raising our kids and as we were present in their classrooms and my kids struggled with reading, mm -hmm. um, which is part of where my, my passion comes from. Um, yeah. So, and when you talk about this, you're talking about, you know, parents and children and the future children of current children. You know, there's, mm -hmm. these things are, are generational, they're systemic. Absolutely. We are talking yeah. about, and, and in light of that, these are things that we should all care about because um, it's not, not just circumstantial. Mm -hmm. It's not just about, you know, you know, teaching somebody to fish, to use that old analogy. Um, it's, it's really about changing the terms of and generations. And um, mm -hmm. that's, that has a very, very deep impact on all of us and on our cities. Tell me about, you know, with School Connect Washington, when you think five years down the road, 10 years down the road, when you dream, when you daydream about what could happen and how your area could be affected, like what, what are your hopes? What are your hopes for that, for the greater Seattle area and beyond? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, big picture, I would say is that I, I really, I want us to change, to really transform the landscape of what after school programming is, what it's defined as. Um, if you look at Seattle right now, we have millions and millions and millions and millions of tens of millions of dollars that are going into things like Seattle parks and recreation, um, maybe like boys and girls clubs, things like that, where we have large number of students that are in what you would call after school programming. But there's really a lot of either confusion or reticence on what on defining what that term means. So for, for most of those clubs, um, it's just keep kids safe and keep kids happy. Right. And um, in that definition, there also might be, yes, there'll be time for homework. But when you get down to it and look, and if you're in those programs, you're going to see that, well, there might be an hour um, or less for homework help, but there's actually no one helping them. It's just, here's some designated time. You should get your backpack out and get your laptop out or do some kind of homework or, or do some reading or something like that. Um, that doesn't work. And right. there's tens of millions of dollars going into that. And it's called after school programming, but it's really just, but it's really childcare. And so that's not what students need. Students don't need childcare. Parents need childcare because man, uh, it's so expensive for sure. 
But if we are going to uh, break this, the cycle of generational poverty, what students need is intervention-based academic after-school programming. And so that is what we do. And when I did my research before stepping out of the lead pastor role and then looking into uh, exploring, again, this particular field of academic intervention, I looked at seven different large and small um, after-school program organizations, majority of them nonprofit as well, and none of them were doing academic intervention in the way I described it. They all use, would use the label of after-school programming. But even when I talked to the directors as well, they would say, uh, yes, we would more be more accurately labeled child care. So what I see is that there's, uh, um, if School Connect Washington can be a part of a movement, part of a group that helps to transform, we, we will partner with all these different organizations, Seattle Parks and Rec and some of the biggest child care facilities. And we could come in and be the intervention specialist or we can come in and help train uh, some of these organizations so that every organization that is doing some type of child care, mass child care slash after school programming has an authentic intervention based um, focus or aspect to their program uh, that's really looking at student scores, looking at their grades, looking at their uh, uh, the state you know assessments, MAP and SBA. Uh, looking at right. where the actual common core gaps are and ad addressing them, how to address them every day. So I'd love to see that. That all sounds really great, um, but it, it kind of sounds overwhelming. I mean, that sounds like I need a master's degree in child development, in test, give, whatever. Is there any space of what you're doing for just like, you know, a guy like me, just a Joe wants to help, you know, mm -hmm. that, wants to help kids in my neighborhood. Is there is there roles like that that you're looking at as well? Uh, for sure. So when I'm describing this bigger bigger vision of helping really transform all, all these different uh, after-school programs to be truly authentic based, you first of all, you do need to have staff that understands how to, uh, understands curriculum at school, understands, um, um, uh, how to do data collection and things like that. But once you have that system in place, uh, you need volunteers. Absolutely. You need tutors. You need, you need mentors. You need people who are going to sit and read with them. The only difference is this, is that when that tutor comes in, when that uh, community, that, that uh, you know, grandmother, I don't know, who's, who's retired and says, I really want to help at the school. I have a heart. What it is, is that when she walks into the Boys and Girls Club, when she walks into an after-school program like ours, she has, uh, the site there has already predetermined what she's going to do in a very thoughtful and a very intelligent and a very targeted way. So she's not coming in just like reading a random book. No, this book was chosen um, for this particular student right, because right. that's his grade level, that's right, his right, right. gap. Right. So we still absolutely need um, a large movement, a large base of parents and concerned people to come into our communities and serve. This way, we're just making them more effective. Got it. How many are you hoping for? Hundreds? Thousands? <laughs> like, what are you hoping for? Yeah, we need, we really need, we need hundreds. I mean, when I think of yeah. Seattle Public Schools, you've got, um, it's, it's real. And what I would say where the intervention needs to happen, it needs to ha happen, of course, K through 12. 
but right. where we really need to capture the most kids is in our elementary schools. Yeah. So in the Good. South Seattle, we've got what, uh, seven or seven or eight, uh, sorry, eight to 10 elementary schools just in the South Seattle region, you yeah. know? So if we had, man, wow, if we had 30 to 50 volunteers at each of those schools, you yeah. know, just the, that's just South and Seattle elementary schools. Yeah. Give me some nuts and bolts. Um, so you were the, you founded School Connect, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. You created it. Yeah. So, t you know, talk to our audience. There's people in towns who are like, man, I wish there was an organization here. Like, what does it take to start an organization? I, and I know it's a big question, but, and sometimes it can be a little more, you know, uh, mm -hmm. mom and pop. And sometimes it's, you know, it's a pretty big deal. What was it like just to get an organization off the ground? Um, gosh, the first word that comes to mind is the word fear. Wow. Yeah, that's the first word because, uh, again, I've been pastor for, for quite a while and, um, being in the pastor role, you definitely feel like you're walking by faith all the time, but this was a different step. This was a significant step for me to yeah. come out of a situation that was very, I guess, secure in a vocational sense. And then to step into something that again, it wasn't completely new. Um, but this meant, uh, fundraising, right. And, yeah. uh, I don't have a, uh, background in education. Um, so I needed to would need to hire people that that do have a background in education. So I needed to raise, you know, a considerable amount of money and a two hundred thousand dollars, you know, just to get started, um, because I wanted to be able to hire um, uh, additional staff to do that that had that those degrees. And um, that's ex an expensive deal. So yeah. there's a lot of fear in in doing that. Um, but I would say to to other people that are listening that it's you can do it in so many ways just let me give an example i got a phone call yesterday uh from another pastor at a local church who said he had met a custodian at uh, one of the schools in west in west seattle okay. and what he found out was the custodian was actually he's, he's a custodian he's hired you know seattle public schools employee he's been having eating lunch having lunch with um i guess some of the more most difficult students in an elementary school. He eats lunch okay. with them every single day. Okay. And so the, when the pastor met him, he was basically asking, hey, what can we do for the custodian? What can we do to resource him, to help him? You know. So anyway, with, with that conversation, it was like, hey, here's, a couple, here's an organization that has mentors. Here's a place where he can get um, school supplies or get toiletries and things like that. Yeah. So, so there's yeah so we can start really small um and also helping the pastor like how do he, how does he mobilize his church to get people involved into expanding have more people sit lunch, right. sit and have lunch with that group because when you are invested in a place over time so this might be over a year or two years um the resources that come through those relationships deepen and your impact deepens over time and new things happen over time. Cause that program that could be a lunch program right now in three years could be an after school program. That's just the way I see things work. I love it. Uh, again, everybody, this is Roy Chang. He's from Seattle, Washington. He is the executive director of school connect Washington. And we're just picking his brain about his experience. And 
wanting to transform the lives of a whole generation of children. Uh, what, Roy, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, but um, like, what do you want to talk about? Like when you think about, lit, you know, we're teach kid to read, you know, we, we focus primarily on the literacy, literacy side, not so much mm -hmm. the mathematics side, but you know, what, what do you, what is it you want to talk about or what gets, what gets you excited? Yeah. Well, first of all, when it comes to after school programming, um, yeah, I just think that we, should, we need a balance, a really balanced approach. Um, literacy is incredibly important. Um, in some ways, if I had to like really say which one's more important, math or literacy, uh, I come from an engineering background. And so I was, when we first started the program in last <laughs> September, yeah. uh, my group was just so much math, so much math. Um, but then after looking at the curriculum, I was like, we really need to focus a lot on literacy because although the math curriculum is, uh, it's not just a hundred problems anymore. It's everything's, everything's written. Um, but I think what we, we need is th there needs to be this, I don't know, a wake up call or understanding that the problems are when you think about, uh, quote unquote, inner city, um, students that are falling behind it. I know it seems so overwhelming, um, but what what I'm seeing or what, what we're trying to do is very simple things that have a very big effect. And so the, the, basically we talk about five things uh, that a student needs. So if you give students a first a consistent place, a consistent time and place to to study. Right. So if in our set, in our situation, it's the cafeteria. Every single day, Monday through Friday, they meet from 2.30 to, to 5.30. So they need a consistent place. Then they right. need a, you, then adults need to be there to give a structured time. So every 30 increment, we're doing something else. We have breaks and things like that. So that's the second thing. The third thing is that you need an intervention plan. Um, you need some type of curriculum that you're going to go through that can address their gaps. Number four is you need some qualified staff that understand curriculum. Then you need a whole group of volunteers, trusted mentors. And the fifth thing, which you wouldn't think about is they need food. You need to feed these guys because they are, they are right. super hungry every single day. If they're going to be there for, you know, um, three, three and a half hours or so, uh, we definitely need to feed them. But once you have those things in place, the kids who um, they're still actually kind of coming out of COVID. And so a lot of the kids that we had, they, they, every single thing that I described here, they did not have. They did not have a consistent place to study. They did not have structured time. They did not have an intervention curriculum. They did not have qualified staff that was looking over what they're doing. And some of them were food insecure. But once you give them those things, right, uh, right. we see students, again, who started off with maybe one worksheet. They can only complete one worksheet and say a three, three hours worth of time. Those students are now completing five, six worksheets in that amount nice. of time. So what I'd want to say is that even though it seems so daunting and these gaps have been persistent for decades, right? I want people to know I, I, there's a way forward. There's a way forward. And it's um, I think it's a lot simpler um, than most people might imagine. What was that Victor Hugo quote you shared with me? He who opens a school door closes a prison. Victor Hugo. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't heard that before until you shared it with me. Um, uh, one of the things is you're utilizing the film sentenced as part of your work. Can you talk at all just about 
what your hopes are for the film, what, why, why the film speaks to you and what, how you're hoping it affects School Connect Washington? Yeah. Well, when I first heard about the film and um, talking to Jeff Martin, who was the, one of the producers, yeah, um, I, I knew Jeff from a while back. He had uh, directed the film Be Undivided, um, which was a beautiful film about school church partnerships in Portland. So um, talking to Jeff and understanding his heart that he was kind of searching for the same thing. What are the big, biggest needs in the community? And he came to the conclusion that literacy. So we're, right. we're on the same page, basically. Uh, so I was very excited to um, get a preview of the movie and uh, watched it um, uh, with my wife, um, undisturbed, just totally focused. And first of all, the, the movie is just beautifully, like beautifully shot. It's just professionally, professionally done. Um, it was very easy to get into the stories. And I think what I really loved about the film was that the film doesn't try to, uh, it's not like a hard pitch sell of you need to do this or you need to sign up here. I think at the very end, there's just basically one website, which is your guy's website, you know, that that's it. Um, that's shown near the end, but the stories draw you in. Um, you can see towards the ends of the film, don't want to give everything away, but you know, they start talking about the intervention that's needed at the earliest ages. Right. And so it gives that glimmer of hope. It gives that path forward. Of, I'd say a very clear path forward without giving a guilt trip. It's just saying, this is something that everyone can do. Um, everyone can come to the school and, and read to a child. Everyone can, can come and spend 30 minutes or an hour and do some math that it's, it's very doable. And, because the movie is so, um, I don't know how, it's, how do you say it? It's like low on pitch, but it's incredibly intense on motivate, getting you to mo motivate you to do right. something. Good. And so, yeah. And so that's what I would love to see how the film is used here in Seattle. I would love, you know, when it's ready, we'd love to show it as to as many audiences as we can have other organizations as well. Great. I think that this can be used. As a, as a movement for that i hope it's a gathering tool i hope it it works to help align some organizations that go we're all we're all on the same team we're not competing you know we're all working together and then yeah. certainly to recruit recruit volunteers yeah. to just get involved yeah. that's so great uh and when, Roy, when you all made that movie right um what i described is would you also say is that what you had in mind as well for the for the impact yeah Absolutely. I yeah. mean, the film was created not to be sold, but to but to impact communities. So mm -hmm. we we can't wait for the day we can start giving it away to communities to use and yeah. um, just to recruit a million volunteers. Into it, it is a beautiful it is a wonderful gift It is a generous gift. And when I think of what you all have done in forming this movie and creating this movie, uh, producing this. I think that's exactly the kind of generosity that I hope will be reflected um, in our in Seattle across yeah. all sectors, where it's business, education, um, individuals. Um, there's there's just a lot more generosity that can happen that needs to happen that can happen in Seattle. Right. Um, something just needs to unlock it, and I'm hoping this movie could really do that. Actually, that's great. 
Yeah. Thanks so much, Roy. We appreciate your heart. Um, if people want to learn more about what you're doing, they can go to schoolconnectwa.org, schoolconnectwashington.org. Um, you can learn more about Roy and his team, their vision, their values, their mission statement there and what they're doing. If any of you live in the greater Seattle area and want to get involved in this really important issue, School Connect is a place to go. Roy is very is very networked with the entire region uh, of people working in this space. So if he's not working immediately in your neighborhood, he knows somebody who does. Yeah. So reach out to him and really, you know, one, one neighborhood at a time, one village at a time, one city at a time, we want to see the next generation empowered to enter life full of hope, self-confidence, to have the basic building blocks for a life where they can embrace their purpose, their meaning, their place in the universe. And mm -hmm. so, uh, mm -hmm. Roy, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, everybody. This is Teach a Kid to Read, and we'll be back again soon. Thanks for stopping by. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Teach a child to read. Give a child a chance. It's as simple as that.